just a nomad, nowhere man. Nomad coming at you for another episode of the Career Musician Podcast. Today we're talking with drummer to the stars, Joel Stevenette. Joel is not only a good friend of mine, but he's also what I consider to be the epitome of a stellar career musician. You may not know Joel by name or recognize him on the street, but you've definitely heard his mad drumming skills with artists like Jody Messina, Donny Osmond, Graham Russell and Air Supply, The Wilkinsons, Styx, Kenny Loggins, Belinda Carlisle, Eddie Money, Due West, Colin Ray, movies like Looper, This Is 40, Santa Claus 2, Along Came Polly, Themes for ESPN, NBA, and over 60 PlayStation, Xbox, and Nintendo games. From Toy Story 3 to Twisted Metal, you've definitely heard Joel's feet on the kick drum and hi-hat pedal. Now, without further ado, I give you Joel Stevenette, drummer to the stars! Today, I am fortunate enough to have one of my very dear friends, Mr. Joel Stevenette, over here at Nomad's Place, the actual physical brick-and-mortar Nomad's Place in sunny Burbank, California. And we're having a little lunch break in between our, our uh, music sessions. Yes, we are. And we're reminiscing about days when we met. If you don't know, Joel is an amazing drummer unto himself, but then he's also an amazing drummer with a list of credits uh, and he calls himself, oftentimes, Drummer to the Stars, and I back that up 1,000%. So we were just talking about when we met, 1996, you said. 1996, we were both living in Nashville. I remember I got a call for a gig, an artist, by the, an R&B artist by the name of Chris Blizzard. Oh, you know what? I think it was uh, because of Butch Dillon. Butch Dillon was the bass player. That's bass right. Player. Yes. Butch hooked us up? Butch Wait. hooked it. I think it was Butch that hooked us, I think. He hooked up the gig with Chris, right? Yeah. yeah, and then I knew Butch from the female duo Regina Regina. Go figure. Two chicks with the same first name. It wasn't like Stephanie Stephanie. It was like Regina Regina. So anyway, long story longer, Butch got me in on that Chris Blizzard gig, and then that's where I met you. I got in on that gig. I don't remember how I got hooked up with Chris. I don't know if it was Butch or Carlton Taylor, the keyboard player. Oh, my gosh, Carlton. Remember him? Yeah. Yes. So hopefully these guys will hear this, and they'll be Carlton, if us. you're out there, brother, Butch. Oh, my gosh, you guys are the best. Yeah, absolutely. Well, at least back in 96 you were. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what's going on now, but... And Chris, man, yeah, yeah. I've, I've, and Chris was was wonderful. Uh, since the, so many years have passed, so we're looking at 20 years now. Wow. Dude, right. that's like, wait, what? And here we yes. are in beautiful Burbank, California. Yes. Uh, yes. So getting right down to it, musicians, aside from communal eating times that yeah. we so much enjoy, yes. right? Uh, we also enjoy playing really good music together. And we were just talking about drumming and your experience with learning the drums and then also some of your experiences with uh, some of your heroes you know it's interesting my gosh because my whole life has just been music and drums and just listening and trying to emulate the guys that i've just have been digging on for so many years and i remember uh, many years ago greg bissonette had a, a vhs drum instructional video 
and I'll never forget this one little quote that he said. He goes, good composers borrow, great composers steal. And I just thought, boy, isn't that interesting? Because it's like you really just kind of like, you know, take from all these different genres and drummers and bass players and guitar players and other musicians and just kind of make it your own. I mean, my gosh, dude, when I was 14, I was so into Neil Peart. Yeah. You know, I was hoping that Neil was going to, you know, break his arm at a show and then somebody would yell out, hey, sorry, we got to cancel the show. But unless there's someone that knows all the songs, you know, we can continue. And I'd just be like raising my little 15 year old hand and just be like. I do. So these are your childhood fantasies. Oh, absolutely. Uh, very different from uh, many other 15-year-old boy child fantasies, Oh, yeah, I dude. I, trust me. I, I had a few <laughs> friends that, that uh, our fantasies were not in line. I think that is fantastic. Let me ask you this. Speaking of that, you said your whole life has been immersed in drums and music. How do you keep it fresh? How do you not let it get stale? When I was in Nashville, I was playing with this country artist by the name of Jody Messina. And she was great. Oh, yeah. Just a sweetheart. Great things, yeah. Oh, yeah. And just sings her butt off and has had great success. And I think she had, I mean, I, I could be wrong, but I think she had like over 16 number ones, whatever it was. <laughs> and so when I got with her, I, I think I spent a good portion of four or five years with her. And, you know, we would do 80 plus shows a year. Even with doing that many shows and playing those songs over and over and over again, because you've got, you know, production rehearsals, sound check rehearsal, all that kind of stuff. And then when you actually get to play the song in front of an audience, yeah. you've played it, you know, hundreds of times. Several times, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, at least. At least yeah. And, you know, the thing was, it's like <clears throat> keeping that stuff fresh. I would try to play it like it was like the first time I was playing that song. Mm. I mean, not not to great sound advice. not to no, sound cheesy great. because you know we could you know sit no. here all day and and do little anecdotes, but it's like I would always just try to play it like literally I'm playing it for the first time, and every night, no kidding, and this is no BS, it was just always fresh. And I'd be smiling. I'd smile mm. over Ralph Friedrichsen, the bass player, and then I'd look over at John Zocco, the guitar player, and Chris Wormer and Holly and all the rest of the band. And we were just, it was just so cohesive. And the other thing that helped keep it fresh, now that I'm thinking about it, I was not only like focused on what I was doing, but I tried to have the biggest ears possible, really listening to Ralph, the bass player's right hand and my right foot, and just letting everything else just sparkle on top. As a producer, composer, and music director myself, I can't emphasize enough how important it is for all the musicians on stage or in the studio to be playing in one accord. So, I Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind 
and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. No, it's a little syrupy. No, that's, that's not. That's I'm, just kind of my interpretation of. I'm, I'm like, you know, gasping for air here, a sigh of relief because you're, you're, you're really laying down some knowledge that needs to be heard by uh, up and coming, you know, hopeful, aspiring professional musicians, what I refer to as career musicians. Oh, absolutely. And that's what you are. You're really spewing some knowledge here. I love that. So that's how you would keep it fresh. But now in, in this keep it fresh uh, concept, you mentioned a couple other things that I want to hit on. You said eye contact. You mentioned good visibility amongst all the players on oh, stage. Oh, absolutely. But you also mentioned uh, your persona, your, you know, how you're uh, portraying yourself on stage to everyone in the band and the artist, and therefore that gets magnified out into the audience, right? It's really interesting because when you start playing live and you know honestly too like the way I play live is a lot like the way I play in the studio I try to like bring that energetic live vibe not just all right let's do a take blah 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 we'll lay it down boom 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 let's let's hurry up and you know just phone it in yeah and just yeah. kick it up no man I I try to just you know give it I mean I know again like 150 percent yeah, you don't have to say any disclaimers because I, I'm a firm believer in all you know, of these truths that you're. But you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Like, especially when you're you're playing live, you have to be aware. Like, you cannot have the blinders on. It's not just about each individual musician. It's about being so aware of like the entire team, mm -hmm. and then just projecting that out. That's right. Not only to the audience, but especially to the artist. I mean, if you're right. if you're if you're backing an artist and a singer. My gosh, the last thing they want to do is just have a chops fest and, you know, and being, you know, the key word here is pepper sprayed by oh, stuff by, yeah, flurries of notes. The key word here is backing most, you know, again, sorry, don't mean this shameless plug here, but my book, The Career Guitarist, talks about making the decision early on. Do you want to be an artist or do you want to be a side person? Make that decision and stick with it for the most part. Now, there are exceptions to the rule, like myself. I didn't really know until later on that I wanted to be an artist. But when you make the decision to be a side man, side person, side woman, whatever, be content in it and do the best that you can. Support that artist that you're backing 1,000%, right? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, the cool thing about that is just, like, the diversity that comes along with being a journeyman or a side guy or, or however you want to classify yourself like to me it's like I really never thought about it I was always just looking for opportunities to play mm. and if I was with a band that was like-minded and the music was great the vibe was great the hang was great then I knew I was in the right place there you go and even in um, where I currently live in Salt Lake City I mean there's um, amazing musicians there but I tell you, I feel like I've been reborn every time I go back to Nashville where there's like such an influx of mm. like like-minded people. Or when I come out here mm. and, and hang with you, 
in California and get to right. see all my other bros. Oh my gosh, it's amazing. So well, it's the it's the hub cities, right? The, oh, the big music cities that yeah, attract man. because it attracts them ex exponentially, basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, just more of a, a bigger talent pool, so to speak. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. Yeah, I love it. Agreed with that. agreed. Now, uh, initially, the first question I asked you a little bit about your experience coming up as a player. You mentioned Neil Peart and your your hopeful fantasies of oh. placing him on stage. <laughs> exactly. Uh, from there, what what was the next uh, the next permutation of uh, drumming for Joel. You know, it's interesting. Like from from Rush, I really got into uh, Alan Holdsworth. Oh. When I was sixteen. The first album I heard of Holdsworth. In fact, the first song was "Water on the Brain" off of Road Games with Chad Wackerman, Wackerman. which I I had no idea who that was. I didn't know who Jeff Berlin was, mm. and I just remember a buddy of mine sharing that with me, and it changed my life. Mm. At sixteen years old, listening yeah. to "Water on the Brain," I was like, "Oh my gosh, where did this stuff come from?" And interestingly enough, after that, I was like, okay. And this is back, you know, now it's a little more difficult with downloads, but back when the liner notes yes. were there. So you, you had to read them. You had yeah. to read them. And, dude, I would listen to that album over and over and over again and just reread the liner notes. And, and who Ted Templeton, I think, produced yeah. it. And it was on Warner Brothers and all this other kind of stuff. And so I was like, oh, wait, Jeff Berlin played bass. Who's Jeff Berlin? Next thing I know, I'm like, oh, wait, he's got a, a solo um uh, album and I think it's called Champion and guess who played drums on uh, that song Neil freaking Peart <laughs> uh, and then he had uh, a host of other guys playing on it and I think um, and then Chad Wackerman started following him Interestingly enough about Chad, I worked with his brother John Wackerman Oh, he's show. a monster too Yeah, he's a sweetheart and their dad there's a, a fantastic drummer so they're just all And then uh, who's uh, is it Brooks? Brooks oh, Wackerman. Joe Brooks Wackerman is what? Jeez. I, I so. think he just, I think he's out with. Oh, with a big country uh, act, right? No, he's with Avenged Sevenfold now. Avenged Sevenfold. Because oh, I think he was with, go. oh, some religion, bad religion or something. Yeah, bad religion was yeah. it. Yeah. Or bad company. No, bad religion. Bad religion, okay. But that whole family. Yeah, the oh whole family. Isn't it amazing how they all play drums? Everybody yeah. in the family. <laughs> and I'll tell you, uh, just backing up to John Wackerman, one of my favorite albums is Kazumi Watanabe, the Japanese uh, fusion oh. guitar player, Kilowatt. And dude, John played on that and just freaking slayed it. Wow. And that's the thing, like nowadays, everything, like there's so much information out there, mm. like talking about keeping it fresh. Yeah. Where, you know. We are overloaded, so how we, do you? We are so overloaded, and it's like a lot of these young kids coming up don't have a fighting chance of like checking out who came before us. The predecessors, you know, like the J.R. Robinsons. You know history, yeah. yeah, like the, yeah. The, the George Rains that played with Boss Gags and Band on the fourth album, obviously Picaro and mm -hmm. and all these other great players. And Oh, my gosh, Rush, Russ, I'm probably aging myself, but Russ Kunkel. Oh, my gosh, the list goes on and on. Steve uh, Jordan, Steve Gadd, Weckl, yeah, Cobb. Mean, as you're mentioning all these influences, many of them were fusion guys or... A lot of them were studio guys, you know, sidemen playing with all different artists. Well, yeah, and so and that's that's really what happened. So it's it's like through this, as I was growing up, my tastes were changing every year, mm. year to year and a half. Because after Alan Holdsworth came Kenny Loggins. See, and that's the diversity. Kenny Loggins, I love that. And Triz and Bowden, give me a freaking wow. break, dude, man. When he played Love Love Has Come of Age, I think it was off the uh, This Is It album, that changed my life. See, I love the refined ear that can appreciate the nuances and the level of musicianship and, and skill set in something as simple as a pop song mm. or as oh, yeah. complex as a fusion song, you know, and that's what it's about. It's about diversity. And 
I think with the influx of all this information, the market saturation, right? Mm-hmm. Saturation in every oh, area. Oh, absolutely. Currently. Yeah, currently yeah. we might tend to lose some of that appreciation for all the diverse styles. And I mean, well, I remember um, growing up. You know, the big thing for me was was getting a copy of Modern Drummer magazine every mm-hmm. month. And just flipping through those pages and still smelling the print, you know, the, the that print, print that just that <laughs> color print was just so good. It's like and, smelling the vinyl from an album. Oh, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what? So great, and thank heavens for that resurgence of vinyl. But you know, but flipping through those pages and you know, and obviously seeing guys like Peter Erskine and mm. Kenny Aronoff and uh, Jonathan Mover, obviously J.R. Robinson, and just all these amazing players, where. I feel like, oh, and then not only that, like Modern Drummer would put on these grandiose festivals. Right. And they'd have Steve Smith and Weckl, of course, and Gad and uh, Vinnie mm-hmm. Caliuta and, and just... So Modern Drummer put on the festival. Oh, yeah. And, and they don't do that anymore. They don't do that anymore. No. So they would do drum festivals. Yep. Drum wow. festivals. And it would be like a two-day event. And they would film the entire thing and then later, you know, several release months later, of, yeah. release them on, you know, back in the day they were VHS. VHS and then, yeah, a beta. Yeah, yeah beta <laughs> laser disc. I don't, I don't know that they Show were Show you that. these two old guys here oh talking. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, there was something to be said about that where it was just a, a beautiful time of just really honing in on who was doing what. Mm. Because now it's, uh, you know, even in the music business, as far as like these artists come out with a bang and then they're gone. Like if the, if the single doesn't hit, it's like nobody gets yes. a chance to like That's right. have artist development. No development. Yeah. And where, you know, a record company, you know, whoever's left out there will say, well, let's just do a single and release it and have the regionals, you know, yeah. throw the single out there to all the stations and see what it does. And if it does great, then we'll record another single and maybe we'll do an EP and maybe we'll do six songs and everything's on just a, a trial basis. As opposed to back in the day where it was like, you know, the album cover was a work of art. The, the, the liner notes were a work of art. And then just... So it took longer to make, but it also survived longer. Oh, dude. I, yeah. I agree with that. Talking about... I, I've been researching a lot of, you know, marketing for the new uh, model. And how, do you, how often do you release songs? Under the old model, bands and or artists would release a new album once a year, maybe once every other year. And sometimes longer. Yeah. So it would take a lot longer to make, but then it was around longer. And, and then, then they, they would promote one single at a time. And they would tour on that album and for, they would tour in, for in six those months. Intervals, right. Yeah. That no longer exists. So it is a really interesting time. And you, you kind of have to find, I believe, you have to find what works best for you. But it does speak what you're saying. Labels and aren't really interested in developing. And it's, it is difficult. Now, the, the, that's the downside. The upside to that is with the resources, they, it's now a level playing field. All the resources are available to anyone. To everyone, yeah. So the indie market is burgeoning, right? Mm-hmm. But then the question comes, how do you stand out? Again, because of market saturation. So it's all these interesting things. Obviously, now we're getting away from drumming, talking about music business no, and, and marketing. But in the midst of all this, in the midst of this tumultuous time that we're experiencing in the new age of the music business, how do you survive? This is a great point. Give us some business tips. How do you survive as you a musician? You know what, man? You wear a lot of hats. And... Um I when I lived in Nashville for a number of years, 
and I saw firsthand with some amazing drummers out there, guys like Chris McHugh, Steve Brewster, mm. Eddie Bears, Paul Lime, oh my gosh, uh, Shannon Forrest. Yeah. Right? All these guys, not only were they amazing players and they could get it done, but these guys were like programmers. Right. Like as far as like, you know, throwing loops together. In addition. And bro, and by the way, I'm not talking like, you know, going off and programming something and then come back the next day. It was like on the spot, on the spot in the middle of the session. Like Steve Brewster. Yeah. I don't know how many people know that guy. I know. I've played done sessions. Yeah. But if you don't know who Steve Brewster is or any of these guys that I've mentioned, freaking Google them. Go to Nashville. Dan Needham is another one. Oh, Dan. Uh, J.D. Blair. J.D. Blair. Wonderful. We mentioned Neoshi Jackson. Neoshi Jackson, uh, great all these player. Kids. It's so funny. The first session I did in Nashville, a live tracking date, mm-hmm. was with Dan Needham. And he had his little MPC set up in his room. But he yeah. had a little mini refrigerator rack set up with all these cool effects. That's and, the thing. And they were doing that. Yeah. And, and the producer would play the song down. Everybody would listen. And then Dan would say, okay, man, uh, I'll be working on the loop. You know, while you yeah. guys do a chart or whatever. Yeah, do a chart then, or lay down some yeah. kind of a rough whatever. So he would make the loop and then trigger it to Pro Tools via MIDI, you know, mm-hmm. and then bam, now you're playing to. So again, multi, multitasking, but. Multitasking, you know. wearing a lot of hats. And I remember when I first got to Nashville, I didn't know anybody. I mean, literally. And I remember my older brother telling me, hey man, if you want to get to know people, do a thing called a three foot rule. And I was like, three-foot rule? What are, you, what are you talking about? And he goes, if there's anybody in a three-foot radius standing beside you, talk to him. Talk to him. Talk I to him. I love that. And I know. It's like it's so like Anthony Robbins motivational. You know, I love that. But you know what? It's people. Your brother is, is the marketing guru, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. he told me about yeah, it. See, that's brilliant. And and he he's always been, you know, a great sounding board for advice and motivation and, and you know, kind of help helping me navigate through some different things i remember when i first got to nashville and this is how i met butch if we can just touch on this for a second dan tomlinson lyle lovett's drummer was doing a drum clinic during a summer nam and it was in like a a big warehouse and there was like one swamp cooler and we're all just sweating our rears off and there must have been like 125 drummers in this warehouse wow and dan tomlinson brought this bass player with him to kind of just show that the marriage between drums and bass and it was butch and it was butch (laughs) so anyway dan before he ends with a solo he goes hey i'm just gonna finish playing here and when i'm done you guys can come over and say hello i'd love to meet you we'll take some pictures you can come check out my drum set yada 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 so we're like oh that's that's cool well he does his thing and he's just totally blazing and killing it and everybody gives him a standing ovation and then they immediately go over to the left side of the room where he's at and I'm just kind of sitting there, kind of gathering, you know, my stuff. And I look over to the right, and there's Butch, the bass player, rolling up his instrument cable. <laughs> Nobody's chatting with him. And After so, all, it's a drummer clinic. Yeah. Right, it's at a drummer clinic. So you know what I did? I went I went to the right. I, I went straight over to Butch. Your, three, your brother's three-foot rule. My, my th- brother's three-foot th- rule. And I went over. I said, Butch, you don't know me, but my name's Joel. And I said, bro, I loved what you did. And I said... I'd like to go grab lunch with you one of these days and talk shop and just, you know, see what you're all about. And he was like, oh, yeah, yeah, man. And so we exchanged numbers. Three days later, I'm having lunch with Butch. There you go. And I said, hey, Butch, I said, this is going to sound weird, but I said, I don't live too far from here. I said, I've got a PA and a little bass rig set up in my basement with a drum set. You want to come over and jam? 
He's like, he goes, yeah, let's let's go right now. He came back. We jammed for an hour and a half. That's amazing. We hung out, and he says, hey, I'm playing this weekend with this new female duo on Giant Records. Would you and your wife like to come? I said, I would love to. He goes, I'll leave two tickets for you at the door. I said, great. Fast forward to Saturday. I say, hello, there's Butch. He's getting ready to play. They go up. They play an hour show. He goes back, gets cleaned up, comes out, says, hey, what'd you think? I said, it was great. He goes, well, they're not really happy with the drum seat right now, and they're looking for a new drummer. I said, really? He goes, well, but here's the deal. They're doing auditions on Tuesday. This is Saturday. This is all within the space of a week. A week. Because One you week. adhere to the three-foot rule. Three-foot rule. God bless your brother, right. Daryl. Absolutely, Daryl. Making it real. So he comes out looking for a new drummer. He goes, but here's the thing. They've already got seven guys lined up to do this audition on Tuesday. And I said, Butch, would you mind giving me the name and number to their tour manager? And he gave it to me, and I called him on a Sunday morning at 11 a.m. And you know who it was? It was Steve Getzman, the drummer for Exile. Happy Gilmore, I want to kiss you all over. He was the tour manager? He was the tour manager. Or or oh, some kind of manager. Yeah. Some kind of manager. Some kind of manager yeah, yeah, yeah. With, with that group. Sure. And so I called up Steve. I said, Steve, you don't know me. My name's Joel. But I said, we have a mutual friend, Butch. And he goes, oh, yeah, Butch. I said, yeah, don't you love Butch? Butch is great. Blah, blah. <laughs> I said, well, here's the deal. I said, Butch has told me that you guys are auditioning drummers on Tuesday. And I realize that your roster is maxed out. Yeah. But I said, if something should happen or if you're taking a lunch break and you've got time for a guy like me to come in and play a song, I said, heck, I would just love to play a verse and a chorus. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And he goes, oh, he goes, Joel, I appreciate that. We'll let you know. So six hours later, it was like Sunday at four, ring, ring. Hello, Joel. Yeah. Hey, it's Steve Getzman. I'm like, hey, Steve, what's up? He goes, let's have you come in and play one song on the girls' lunch hour break. <laughs> I said, that sounds great, Steve. And so That's he told me what the song was. I went down to Tower Records, which yeah. when they existed, yeah. and Missed got the album, and I just listened to that album over and over, over and over, over and over. Tuesday comes around. I am so nervous. This is my first thing. I don't know anybody in Nashville. He just moved to town. Just moved to town. And I go in there. The girls are back there eating lunch or doing something, and I've got my little bass drum pedal and my snare drum. And uh, I go up there and throw it on the kit, and it was like in this little rehearsal room, kind of like a, a bar area, kind of with a stage and some lights. I get up there, and, and they said, okay, Joel, count us off. And I swear, I was so nervous. My right leg, I felt like I was doing 30-second notes on the kick drum. I was just like, you know, just this young Canadian farm boy, you know, just yeah, yeah, in Nashville. And so I counted off, and we're playing, and it's just like a simple two and four, just kind of straight ahead. And I see the shadow... I'm looking out towards the audience, and it was kind of dark, and I see the shadow walking towards the stage, and I see the person doing this motion with his hand, like, going across his neck as as into, oh. like, just cut the song. Oh, no. And we literally got through half a chorus. Oh, shoot. And he goes, thank you, Joel. I said, oh, well, okay. And so I looked at the guys, and they just kind of smiled. They just kind of shrugged their shoulders. I said, well, I said, Steve, thank you for the opportunity. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I packed up my pedal. You my kept snare. a positive. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. See, this is important. I wasn't like what? Yeah, yeah. I'm not done. No, no you it stayed was, positive. No, it was you nothing like okay. that. This is so. Yeah, important. it was nothing like that. So I smiled. I shook everybody's hands. I said, yeah. "Thank you so much. I had a great time, and and maybe we'll work together in the future." And I walked out, and as I'm as I'm going through the foyer to to exit the building, Steve goes, "Hey, hang out in the parking lot for a few minutes." It's like okay. So I put my uh, my stuff in the car and, and kind of just sitting out by the car. And about 10 minutes later, he comes out and he goes, uh, do you want the gig? 
And I just simply said, yes, I yes, do. Yes, I do. And he goes, great. He goes, rehearsal start at the end of this week. I'll give you the name and address for the uh, management company. You can go over there and pick, and pick up all the materials and set lists and everything else, and, and we'll be off and running. I said, but you've got like four other drummers. You've got to audition. He goes, oh, no. He goes, we've, we've heard what we want to hear. And I was like, oh, my gosh. See, I told you Joel was the consummate professional. Keeping a positive attitude goes a long way in this crazy business of music. That, ladies and gentlemen, is how it's done. Bro. See, what can we take away from this? Because now I'm, I'm all about the takeaway here. Obviously, number one, you followed with your brother's advice, the three-foot rule. I, I adhere to that same advice, no matter where I am. If I have gas station, restaurant, Dude. running errands, airport, train station, airplane, it doesn't matter. Speak. We're all human. Speak, right. right? I was at Nordstrom at the Grove the other day with my family. Yeah. And I always like to kind of go to that Nordstrom because they've always mm. got like the like the Nordstrom rack over there, right? Well, they've got always a rack like a nice there, one. but it's the the oh, the, fancy the, the fancy. Well, I guess you want to call it fancy, <laughs> but they always got like these like one-offs, and they always get like oh, yeah. the the newer stuff to kind of try out at the store that to see. That explains why you look so debonair today. Well, I'm, right. the speedo does a lot for. <laughs> no, but anyway, so. Literally, coming back to the three-foot rule, yeah. I'm, like, checking out some shoes. I, I, I dig shoes, and I meet the shoe guy there. His name's Jonathan. And so we're chit-chatting. See, how we, most people wouldn't even right. know the shoe guy. And so I said, I said, Jonathan, how long have you been working here? He goes, six years. I said, no kidding. I said, that's commitment. Yeah. I said, you must really love what you do. And he goes, oh, he goes, I love it here. And I said, well, I said, I'm a musician. And I said, I'm looking for some hip black shoes. And uh, I said, you know, I, I play with a bunch of different bands and sessions and whatnot. But I said, I play with this one corporate band. We do a lot of events. And he goes, well, my wife does corporate events. And I'm like, oh, no kidding. So come to find out, long story longer, his wife works for this event company that puts on these large, grandiose events for Toyota wow. and this and that. And they have bands come in and circus people and all this kind of stuff. And so we you exchange numbers. You solicited your band without even soliciting your band. Exactly. <laughs> and I was there to buy shoes. And by the way, I did buy them, oh, and shoes. they were lovely. <laughs> I can attest yeah. they're gorgeous. But, but, but wait a minute. So the, so the three-foot the three rule, number one, I mean, this is amazing. So I, we could go on. I know it sounds corny, but... Whether you want to call it a rule or, or just... Paradigm. Or Yeah, a, a paradigm shift, whatever it is, that, you know, you want to be authentic with people. Yeah. Like genuine, because people can smell it. And, That's right. And, and look through that if yeah. you're not yeah. sincere. But literally, it's like when you have great experiences talking to people and it's not about you and you're finding out what That's they're right. about. And not to, again, dude, I'm going to keep saying this, but not to sound cheesy, but like especially in music and life and work with your family, with your kids, it's, it's about being selfless. Mm. Because it's like when you kind of let go and it's not about you. Mm. It really does come back come around back. to like multiple fold. Yeah, it really does. And I've been very fortunate with that with music. If I'm not the right guy for the gig, I'll just be like, oh, I've got a buddy that's a great drummer. And, and you know, check him out. And yeah, yeah. Gotta, to me, I've always felt like there's a, enough work, there's enough gigs, that, there's right. opportunity. Even in your, I mean, if you live in Cheyenne, Wyoming, yeah. which is out in the middle of nowhere, it's a beautiful yeah. city and they've got a huge rodeo there. You can make something happen. There's opportunities. There's opportunities where, right. wherever you're at. Three-foot rule, number one. Number two, 
you made yourself available to Butch, and then you took initiative. So three foot, availability, initiative. Follow through. That's the follow through. Yeah. So many of us lack that. That's the key. You, know, you can't tough. get stuck in procrastination. Dude, dude, that's a tough thing. Should I call? Should I not call? Should I offer to take him to lunch? Should I not offer? To, should I? Should I seize the opportunity and ask for the manager's number? That's a bold move, Joel. But you did it. And what was the worst he could say? You know what, man? I'm sorry. I'm, I can't give that information. The out. thing is, if you want something so bad enough, if you, you want ask. something bad enough, whether it's air, whether it's a date, Ooh. whether it's a new car or a used car or, or you're trying to get an apartment, you want something bad enough, you're thinking about it, you're dreaming about it, yep. guess what? You're going to make it happen make within it. the legal limits of the law. That's right. You know what I mean? That's right. And relationships are a lot like dating. Mm. I mean, you're not showing your cards, you know. Right on the first date. Right, right on the first date. It's yeah. just people and getting to know people and showing them that you care and where they have trust in you. And not only that, just the hang. The hang right, right. Just camaraderie. The, the right. camaraderie and just yeah. hanging and finding out what people like or what they dislike or right. whatever it is. Because there's there's always common ground somewhere. That's right. You know. So wow. here I am, 40 some odd years later. I just want to keep learning and keep right. going and keep surrounding myself with great people and great musicians. And that's right. not to like spread the Velveeta cheese on too thick. That's why I'm here today. <laughs> Honestly, because I'm like, literally, right. well, this was going to be a, a little vacation because I, I never, because, uh, you know, as musicians, we're always on call. We never get a Dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I actually had four days. Ah. And so I thought, I'm going to come out here with my family, enjoy a little San Diego, a little this. Chillax. And uh, they got busy doing some other family stuff. And I'm like, heck, I'm going to call Michael. See what he's up to. Done. What's he gonna say? No. <laughs> What's he gonna say? Oh, dude, I got a, uh, I got a, uh, you know, a nail appointment. No, at Pilates. Interestingly enough, I do get the nails done on my right hand only. My nails done. They look great. Right because the acrylic. Oh yeah. So I can play flamenco. So that Perfect. was really good. Yeah, I was right. Little nice tie <laughs> That's in there. Right. Good comedy. Yeah. I would like to tie. thank uh, beautiful nail over there on Olive for. Uh, That's called majestic nail. Oh, is it majestic get it nail? Straight. <laughs> <laughs> you ever do something like fancy with the pinky nail, like on the 4th of July, put like a little union? Yeah. No, okay. but the pinky nail is broken right now. Okay. Anyway, Mr. Steven, yes. always the comedian. I love it, man. Oh I love gosh. you. I appreciate you being here. Thank this you so fantastic. much. This is fantastic. You had one other little uh, cool story, the, jo the JR story. John. Oh, my gosh. Okay. So my whole life has been based around listening. And listening to albums and, you know, when I was younger, eight tracks and cassettes and wearing out cassettes and buying duplicates of like the Boston first album and just wearing that thing out when I was like seven years old. And that's been my life. And that's really where I learned how to hone and do what I do. Mm -hmm. I was going through some websites and I came across J.R. Robinson's website. I'm like, oh, that's cool. He's got a website and kind of going through his discography and his biography and just going. Tremendous. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. This guy has played on every Everything. freaking <laughs> hit on God's green earth. And you know what? Rightfully so. Right. I mean, he just, you know, whether it's Boss Gags, whether it's Quincy Jones, whether it's Michael, Michael Jackson, Jackson. Oh, dude. I mean, Barbara Streisand. I mean, it just goes on and Rufus, all that stuff. It goes on and on. So I'm looking through here, and I see, like, this little blog or news little thing that says that He's going to be teaching lessons. He's going to be in town off the road for like a week or two. And his availability was there for a lesson. So I'm like, oh, heck, seize the day, baby. So okay. I emailed him. 
And I said, hey, JR, my name's Joel Stevenette. would like to book some time with you. So he messaged me back. He goes, how long do you want? I said, I want three hours. Hmm. So we booked a time, and I think it was like a week or so later, I drove out from Salt Lake City out to uh, Thousand Oaks, where his place is, and he gave me directions. and Tenacity, motivation. He, he met me there with open arms and a big, you know, JR smile, and he's like, hey, Joel, you know, you find the as place if, okay? And as, if, as if you've known each as other forever. If, yeah. Right. Totally right. good guy. Beautiful. I see, yeah. and that's the, again, that's a key ingredient. You know what? And, and honestly, I mean, after meeting him and hanging out with him, I mean, that's been certainly a key ingredient to his success is that mm-hmm. he's just a happy, fun-loving, good guy, that's and right. just a light to the room. You know? Well, you know, you're talking about yourself. Well, you're the same way. You're sweet. Yeah. And so I spent sour too. As little sour, sweet. <laughs> that's the chicken. <laughs> And so I spent three hours. I spent an afternoon wow. with this guy, and wow. we went into his studio, studio, studio man there. cave thing there at his house. And he had two kits set up, and we just started grooming together and talking about you know technique and this and that and and metronomes and, and click and. Well, what did he tell you about the the metronome? I love. Oh, that, this was this was actually important. really cool, and I'd never really thought about this because normally, like if I'm playing a tune and say it's 50 beats a minute or 48 beats a minute or whatever it is, you know, however, pretty you, slow. How, yeah. yeah with quarter notes uh-huh. and he goes Joel he goes if you can lose the eighth note subdivision on a metronome and just mm-hmm. play the quarter notes and have that inner clock take over your feel will be spot on he wow. goes just work on that and I was like oh my gosh and I'm like is this guy nuts because that's like a, a like a little safety net for for me and for it's so almost many other like a, a second or more or, or, or a large group of milliseconds in between each click oh, that you feel like you're hanging without a net, right? Oh, absolutely. It's absolutely. a little scary. And so he just said, get rid of that get eighth of that. note, trust your inner clock and not to rush it and not to be behind it and just feel it. Any other tips that you have? Because that's difficult for all musicians at that slow tempo. How, how, did, how did you achieve that? You know what? Literally, I would go home and I would just stay up late. I wasn't behind a kit. I would just like be playing on a table. I would just Mm. set my metronome out and just be air drumming, whatever it was. And I just tried to dial it in as much as. And the other thing was, too, is to have patience between each note because, you know, waiting for it. And so that was that was one of the the greatest takeaways I I learned from from Jr. And obviously, I mean, there's there's a few other things as well. But you know what? That was one of the things that I think really helped dial in like a good solid two and four at slower tempos because I've always felt like it was a little easier to play faster stuff and a little more difficult to play slower stuff with great time and great feel Mm. because there's just so much space. Right. You know? Right. To this day, when you go into a session, Mm -hmm. do you use the subdivided click or the unsubdivided click? I'll do both. You do? Depending. All depending. And especially like if it's like a... Like a six eight thing. Sometimes I'll you know do a little subdivide uh, subdivision in there. But when it's not there, do you count the subdivisions in your head or no? No, I'm not counting. Okay. I'm I'm just really. Do you pulse them anywhere else in your body? There might be a ghost note with the left hand, like on the snare or something like that. Okay. But I think really. I, I try to focus on the flow of my arms and my wrists and how the sticks are flowing in the air before they're hitting the hat mm-hmm. or the snare drum or if I'm doing a, a really simplistic tom fill and just kind of coming down and just almost like chariots of fire slow-mo mm-hmm. and just as opposed to you know being herky-jerky and where it doesn't flow. 
gotcha. as well. So I hope I'm describing that properly, no, that's but it's really like just brilliant. really, yeah. really yeah. more floating. Yeah. But also at the same time, you know, really sticking the two and four, you know, just really hitting it, depending on obviously if it's a power ballad or, or whatever it is. That really helped me. And, and, you know, I've run into him a few times since. In fact, can I share this story? Of course. I, I had joined Peisty Symbols back after I performed at the PESA convention in 09. And PESA convention is the... The Percussive Art Society International Convention. And it was just a, a real honor to be invited out to that because it was myself, along with Dean Butterworth from Good Charlotte, Jack DeJanette, jazz legend, Virgil Donati, wow. Kira Jimbo. Mm. I think uh, the Biscara brothers were out there. I think Kurt oh, was yeah. out there. What year was this? I'm sorry. This was 09. Oh, this no. was November of 09 in Indianapolis. All right. And so I did like this whole clinic on, you know, playing the video games and all the NBA stuff that I play on and uh-huh. had a big Jumbotron screen with playback video and I was playing along to it. was. I've seen clips yeah, of that. Yeah, it was, it was you, a lot of fun. You, you had some uh, clips uh, right. up, up on the Like website. video game yes. footage, and I'm oh, playing man. along to the actual tracks. And, Amazing. Yeah, Fantastic. It was, it was yeah, wonderful. Yeah, yeah. So it was shortly after there where I was out in California, and Kelly Peisty said, Hey, Joel, do you and your family want to come to Disneyland with me and my kids? And I'm like, well, yeah. I mean, Disneyland, come on. It's the happiest place on earth. Kelly Peisty. Kelly Peisty, who's... Heir to the Peisty Yeah, so who's Empire? Eric, Eric Peisty's wife okay. of just the most amazing symbols made on on earth. And so I had joined Peisty after the PASIC thing. I'm out in California, and Kelly invites us to go to Disneyland. And so we thought, okay, well, we'll beat you by the front gates. And so we had a little rendezvous there. And she goes, oh, by the way, Joel, I hope you don't mind. I I invited a friend to come along with with his son. And I'm like, yeah, the more the merrier. And he was kind of hiding around the corner, and I look up, and I'm like, Oh, you got to be kidding me. It's freaking J.R. Robinson. <laughs> so we spent we spent the whole wow. day, my family, my wife, and my two little kids, we spent the day with Kelly and her family and J.R. and his, his son family. and oh. his son. And it was, That's you know. so awesome. An attribute that I respect in my fellow career musicians, reverence for those who came before us. If it weren't for them, we wouldn't have a gig today. It was so funny. So I looked at Jr. and he looked at me kind of like, oh, yeah, I, I remember you because, you know, I had that lesson with him. And so we just hung out and we just talked shop all day long and talked about life and mm. drums and songs and laughed our butts off when we were on the boat for It's a Small World and just <laughs> just hilarious. So J.R. Robinson and I and Kelly, we'll, we'll always have It's a Small World. It's That was that was a great day. <laughs> I love it. That dude. was a great day. Joel Stevenette, drummer to the stars. Thank you so much for being here, my oh, friend. Thank I, you. I, thank this you is great. So I could for... reach out and just grab your shoulder and just so great. connect. Uh, as you mentioned, video game drumming and a lot of session work as well as gigs. Uh, I just finished up uh, some air supply stuff. Air, there, there you go. There's a name you probably haven't heard in a while. but There you go. But I've been doing some great stuff with Graham Russell. Wow. And then played on their last single, which was cool. And and they're still killing it, man. They're doing like over 100 dates a year and playing Dubai and South America. They're all over the world. And their voices, they're still killing it. There you go. You know, music... It, t- it takes you all over the place, man. So And your website? JoelStevenette.com. <laughs> and all of your handles of that, your social media Yeah, handles. social media. JoelStevenette, S-T-E-V-E-N-E-T-T. I think we make a great team. Oh, look at that. <laughs> we finished each other's last names. <laughs> Thanks again, Joel. Thank, thank you, my friend. So there you have it from Joel Stevenette himself. Words of wisdom on how to be a successful career musician. Be sure to check out Joel's website, drummertothestars.com, and all of his social media handles, at Joel Stevenette. 
This is Nomad signing off for another episode of the Career Musician Podcast. Don't forget to sign up for my newsletter at nomadsplace.com to stay informed of all the latest that's going on right here at Nomad's Place. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.